my catalytic agent has brought about a complete transition from man to wolf. Your crazy experiments are a disgrace to science. time for episode 62 of Monster Kid Radio. I'm your host, Eric M. Cook, and this is part two of our discussion of the Peter Cushing film, The Skull. Yeah, Peter Cushing on Monster Kid Radio. I'm ecstatic, and not just because of Peter Cushing, but because I've got Dr. Gang Green. Larry Underwood is here on the show as well. Now, Larry is a horror host. He's also a writer. He's also a really good friend of mine, and he loves Peter Cushing, and he loves The Skull, even more than I do. So I'm excited to continue our discussion about this classic film from Amicus here on Monster Kid Radio. I'm also excited to play the song that you heard at the beginning of the show in its entirety. At the end of the show, the song is With a Silver Bullet. It is from the Alder Kings that appears on their album, Mr. Creeper. You can find out more about the Alder Kings at their website at thealderkings.com. The song appears on this show with their permission, of course, and I really appreciate that. And I would appreciate it if you do pick up their album from their website. You let them know that Monster Kid Radio sent you. Now, of course, if you can't remember the name of the website, thealderkings.com, and you need to find it, well, just go over to our website at monsterkidradio.net, where you'll find links to everything that we talk about here on the show in the show notes. You'll find links to Dr. Gang Green's website. You'll find links to everything that we care about here at Monster Kid Radio. Now, it's not exclusive. It's not like we've got everything we care about on the show. Just Anyway, there's a whole bunch of important links over there, including links to our Facebook group, where I have a poll right now. I set up a poll asking the listeners what you would think about us launching some new shows and how they would fit into the Monster Kid Radio feed. I kind of assumed that the poll would go the way that it's kind of going so far. But if you have some thoughts to the question, if we had separate podcasts as part of the Monster Kid Radio Network, would you want to see them or hear them as part of a separate feed? Or should they just be part of the normal Monster Kid Radio feed? Join the group so you can participate in the poll and let me know. Speaking of Facebook, I was recently contacted by Justin Giallo. He wanted to let me know that the movie that I was thinking of when I was talking about the War of the Worlds with Tracy Morris, the one about how the aliens come down and they're kind of in costume and they hear the War of the Worlds radio special and they walk outside and they think they're sick and they're going to die because that's how it ends in the story. The movie was spaced invaders. Justin Giallo contacted me to let me know that. And, you know, Scott Morris also posted on Facebook that that was the movie. Of course, Scott knew the name of the movie because it's Scott. I mean... The man knows more about these movies than I do sometimes. So, yeah, thank you for contacting me on Facebook. If you want to contact me through other means, you can always email me at monsterkidradio at gmail.com or drop me a line at our voicemail line at 503-479-5MKR. Now, I think you can pretty much guess at this point, I'm a fan of horror hosts. I wish we had an active horror host here in the Portland area because I'd watch that every night it was on. I go online and I watch horror host television. I watch horror hosts on my Roku. I've got horror host DVDs. I've got a horror host on this week's show of Monster Kid Radio. I love horror hosts. I love horror hosting. I love what it's all about. When I grow up, I want to be a horror host because so many horror hosts make it look like it's so much fun, including a man that you might know as Guru. If you watch the show, Penny Dreadful's Shilling Shockers. I've shared this on Facebook in a couple of places, as have a number of other people, horror hosts and horror host fans. It's been mentioned on a few podcasts, and Marlena Midnight from the Late Lamented Midnight Mausoleum Show, well, she posted a YouTube video about what's going on with Guru. Hi, Eric. I'm Marlena Midnight. 
Hi guys, I'm Marlena Midnight, and I'm sure as some of you know, for quite a few years I was part of the horror hosting community because of, well, my show Midnight Mausoleum. And over the years, I got the pleasure of meeting a lot of my fellow horror hosts, which actually brings me to my point today. Recently I learned that my friend Magoo, who is actually more commonly known as Guru from Penny Dreadful Shilling Shockers, has been for about a year, slightly more actually, fighting a life-threatening illness. To help recoup and pay for some of the never-ending medical expenses that tend to go along with fighting a life-threatening illness, he's actually set up a GoFundMe campaign, and if you look at the bottom of the screen right now, you can see that address. So if you could go and either donate or just share the link so other people can go and they can tell other people and they can tell other people, uh, any little bit helps. Magoo and Danielle are both amazing people and they've helped out tons of other people in one way or another. So let's all get together and show them that we all care for them as much as they care for us. In the YouTube video, you heard her talk about a link that you can follow to get to the GoFundMe account set up for his medical expenses. That's GoFundMe.com slash 5-W-D-O-Y-8. Again, there will be a link in the show notes to that as well. If you can't contribute to that campaign, maybe you can just spread the word and we can help out somebody who's given us a ton of entertainment for free over the years. You know, he's one of us, man. Now, we left off our discussion about the skull with Larry. We were talking about the authenticity of the skull that is being sold to Maitland. And we're going to get to that and talk a little bit more about the film plot and just more stuff about the movie right after this. Hello, Christopher. What insanity are you up to today? Oh, hey, Lydia. I'm downloading some movies. What? <laughs> People are always telling me that's illegal. Uh-uh, not these. They're all public domain. Oh, look, Rescue from Gilligan's Island. Well, let me see what you're doing. Oh, you're at archive.org. Well, they have thousands of films, TV shows, commercials, radio shows, and books available. Yeah, but there are so many. I wish there was a podcast or something that would discuss these things. You know, give us an idea of what's worth the time. Um, Christopher, there is. We do one. <laughs> oh, that's right. We host Orphan Entertainment. Once a month, we pick something from archive.org and review and discuss it. That sure is nice of us. <laughs> sure. Why don't you click over to orphan-entertainment.jonja.net and remind yourself a little more about the show. <laughs> Will do. So let's see. That's orphan-entertainment.jonja.net. Hey, can we review the Gilligan's Island movie sometime? Mm-hmm. We'll see, Christopher. We'll see. Yeah, I, I don't know what kind of certificate of authenticity comes with the, the Marquis de Sade skull. I know, exactly. You know, and in the skull, it's it's clean now. I mean, all the flesh has been boiled away. It's good. I mean, the jaw is still attached somehow, but it just looks like a skull. And yeah. despite that, Cushing can't seem to take his eyes off it. Yeah. There's still But this, he doesn't buy it, though. No. He, does, he doesn't buy it. He says, well, let me think about it. You know, I, I'm, I don't know. So he says, well, if you want it, come see me. Here's my address. Marco almost seems desperate to get rid of it. Well, how about 700? Well, what about 500? You anyway, know, he's, he's lowering the price. Typically Maitland's the one that has to dicker him down. Mm -hmm. Whereas this time around, Marco's like, well, I just want to get rid of it, which to me would have been a red flag. Oh yeah. <laughs> and, and with good reason, because we do find out that Lee's character used to own the skull. <laughs> That's right. Well, we find that out in the next scene because Cushing goes to Lee and says, Hey, listen, uh, you know, I've got this guy who's offering me this, skull for sale and he says that it is 
the skull of the market decide. And I don't, you know, I don't know if I really want to buy it or not. I don't know that it, that it is what it is. And, and Lee says, hey, listen, it is, in fact, authentic. In fact, how do you know? He said, well, I used to own it. That very skull was stolen from me a couple of weeks ago, and I'm glad it was. Yeah, there's something wrong with that skull. There's something evil about it. And again, to think about Lee being vulnerable in a movie, it really showed to me that Lee was more than just the boogeyman. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. It's and, good to see him get a chance to play a role. That I mean, and he did that a few times, but it's good, particularly later on. You know, nowadays you see him in, pop up in little roles here and there. Right. But back then, when he was Dracula, he was the heavy. Yeah. He's not the heavy in this. No, not at all. Uh, I also found it quite ironic that he gives Maitland a charm to protect himself that turns out to be a cross. <laughs> like, wait a minute. Chris really shouldn't be handling that. That's <laughs> it's <laughs> true. He believes enough in the supernatural that he's concerned for his friend, his colleague, gives him a little charm to protect himself. It turns out to be a little cross to protect himself from the skull and the skull's power. I don't think Maitland really bought it. Like, ah, it's the guy, the supernatural stuff, whatever. Yeah. But there's still something there. Every time he's in that scene with that skull, he cannot look away. Mm-hmm. It's definitely got a, a, a pull on him even before he buys it or acquires it. So Lee warns him, I, I would advise you to stay away from it too. Have nothing to do with it. It's it's bad. It's dangerous thing to, to own. And and doesn't really go into a whole lot more. Just, just hey, I'm telling you, leave it alone. The short story kind of expands on that a little bit. He explains that uh, not only was the skull dangerous, but it had worshipers, people mm-hmm. that would break into his house to be near the skull, that, that were scared to own it themselves, but who wanted to be near it. And they would break into his house, and, and he would find little hints and clues that people had been there worshiping the skull. Which is terrifying to think about. <laughs> they, they didn't break in to steal anything or do anything. They just wanted to be near this artifact, this thing. That, to me, is, is one of the scariest things about the short story. Yeah. And we didn't really get that in the film, but, I mean, not that the film suffers for it. The film's got some great stuff going for it anyway. But, uh, yeah, that whole idea that, you know, he had something in his home that people just wanted to be around. And that's all they wanted. That's all they cared about. That, to me, was creepy. Yeah, but they were too scared to, to want it. They didn't yeah. want it. Yeah, hey, like, I, I'm not taking that thing home. No way. <laughs> I'll go visit, but then I'm, I'm going to go home <laughs> later. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, it's terrifying. Now, of course, this kind of piques Maitland's interest even more. He offers to have Lee go with him and, you know, let's get the police involved. No, I don't want it at all. Glad it's gone. So, of course, once Peter Cushing decides he wants it, we know he's in for some bad news. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So he goes to Marco's apartment to to get the skull that he finds Marco dead, right? Yeah. Marco has been killed. By what? Nobody knows. His throat's been ripped open. And, I, uh, I think at one point the police even say it might have been like a wild animal attack or something like that. Well, how how did that happen? That's just, wow. I mean, it's just a skull, right? Right. <laughs> In the movie, I got the impression that it somehow summoned forth demons that ripped him apart. That's, that mm-hmm. was the impression I got. Uh, although it's a different demise in the short story. You learned that the skull itself had ripped his throat open. Yeah. Just by biting and mm-hmm. tearing at his throat. Kind of cool, too. I don't know how they would have pulled that off without making it look kind of silly on film. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, the idea that this disembodied skull attacked him and killed him is just, again, terrifying. I mean, Robert Block can scare you more than just with Psycho. You know, it's, it's a pretty creepy little story. And uh, 
I think the adaptation did a pretty good job of, of giving that sense of menace without following the exact beats of the story. Mm-hmm. You're a music guy. You're a big music guy. I love the oh, music yeah. in this one. I love the music in the film. I thought that whenever the cross came out, there was a moment where it got just a little cheesy because it, you know, it's this creepy kind of music. And then suddenly the, the cross comes out and it feels like, I don't know, a hammer film where the cross comes yeah. out and shoved in the vampire's face. But for the most part, uh, I really like the music. Uh, it used it was, a lot of organ, a lot of yeah. uh, like churchy kind of organ stuff that, that was kind of fun. Elizabeth Lutyens was the composer. I don't know much about her, but I remember thinking as we were watching, as I was watching the film, I would love this, a soundtrack album for this. Mm-hmm. Uh, there will probably never be one, but, <laughs> but I'd love to hear that music, you know, by itself because a lot of it was really good and creepy and good because there's a good stretch of the film where there's no dialogue. It's just Peter Cushing re- reacting to, these horrific things and these scary things happening around him. And it's just his performance and the music and the direction and that freaky skull just staring at him. Yeah. Not a lot of horror stuff that happens. No. It's, it's a lot more tension and a lot more atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Although the, uh, the sequence with the gun was pretty terrifying. Uh, Cushing sold that so well. It's yeah, terrifying I, though. I mean, yeah, I know it's just it, definitely, definitely for sure. And I mean, that's all part of, I don't know. Is he dreaming? Has he, is he hallucinating at this point? I mean, Maitland kind of goes on this weird, dark dream quest that does not end well. Cause it's a horror movie, of course, but I mean, there's a lot of things that just happen to Cushing. Once he, once the skull gets its claws into him, basically, I mean, Marco's dead. The apartment manager, I suppose is killed. Mm-hmm. When that happened, I was surprised. I didn't yeah. think Amicus yeah. had the budget for that kind of a sequence. <laughs> yeah, it was a it was a nice stunt, a long fall yeah. and yeah. a lot of breaking glass. And... Yeah, through a lot of glass. Like, I, wow, that was pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah, it was. So Cushing grabs the skull and hides it in a in a closet, just outside, like a like a little um, linen closet or something. Mm-hmm. And then comes back to retrieve it later, and that's when the apartment manager sees him and says, "Hey, what are you up to?" and he tries to blackmail him. He says, well, you know, I'm going to tell the police that you came back here unless, mm-hmm. you know, you, you pay me. How much is it worth for you? As Cushing tries to push past him, the guy trips and falls and goes over the balcony and <laughs> plunges about, to his death. About <laughs> five stories or so. About seven sheets of stained glass on the way down. That's... <laughs> That was pretty cool. I was impressed by that. And it, but Cushing, all he, he just runs. He, he just is yeah. like, oh, crap. <laughs> he just takes the skull and hightails it home, you know? Mm-hmm. And so he has his prize and he, he takes it and he sets it in his trophy case and he looks at it and like, kind of makes relief and, and suddenly worry, like, what now? Because mm-hmm. that's yeah, when no. all the, the bad things start to happen. He starts having these dreams or, or this, these hallucinations. And the things that happen to him... I mean, it starts subtly, you know, like he's, he thinks he's being arrested and taken in for questioning or whatever. Then it goes to some pretty odd places. I mean, if it was anybody other than Cushing and those eyes, I mean, he, he works his eyes in this film. This is a real, for Cushing fans, this is a must see. Oh yeah. Cause it, cause he really gets to show off. I mean, it's all about Cushing it really is. And I knew you would love this oh, movie just yeah. for that very reason. Oh Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, he doesn't get a chance to play too much with the props, or at least we don't see that, which he had plenty of opportunity to do so. I mean, oh, yeah. the, when we first are in his study and Marco's in there, and they, they kind of start name-dropping all the different things in there. Well, you've got the dagger of this and the hand of glory of that. You know, they start name-dropping all these little things here and there, and I'm sure left to his own devices, Cushing would have just <laughs> started fondling everything in the room because, I mean, I would. That's cool. Those are cool props. Yeah. But uh, he has a chance to do much more than that in this and we're along for the ride once the skull gets in his head oh <laughs> yeah even to the point now to where our point of view is from that of the skull i mean the camera gets stuck in the skull and we've got a few shots through the skull's eyes which i love that, that oh scene, yeah you know because they made some kind of something to go in front of the camera or then maybe they just shot through a skull but i, I get the impression they built yeah, just some sort of mask or something they put in front of the camera. And a few of the scenes are like that. And I'm thinking, okay, that's kind of cool. And then it occurred to me, the skull, the, the camera's moving, but it's in the skull's point of view. And that means the skull is moving. Mm-hmm. So it's working on this other level that's just through the camera movement, you realize, oh, no, there's something really bad. I mean, the skull's watching him. Yeah. That's... So then I mean, actually does start to move. And this is yeah. where the wire work that you mentioned earlier comes into play. And I had never noticed it on, on my VHS copy. Not really, but I mean, it was pretty obvious with the, with the Blu-ray nice and cleaned up. You know, you see the wires coming yeah. off the side of the skull and off the top of it, but it's kind of, I don't know, charming in a way because it is what it is. I mean, it's a product of 1965 and yeah, there's no computer animation in it. Honestly, it looks better than a computer animated skull floating. I don't know. I mean, they can go back in and CG those out, put in a CG skull. No, I'm just, no. (laughs) (laughs) No. Yeah, you you can catch the wire work. You can catch the wire work when the skull's moving. I do get the impression that there might have been some also uh, some uh, optical printing effect here that some of the skull shots were just like a picture of a skull superimposed on a few things here and there. But for the most part, it's a solid object. And the wire work, yeah. Like you said, it's a product of its time. Yeah. So it floats onto a table, and then it makes the book float beside it and land on the table. Mm-hmm. The human skin-bound book. And then it possesses Cushing, and it forces him to mm-hmm. go out. And he, I don't know yeah. how much further we want to get into this, but um, you know, yeah. it makes him go back to uh, Lee's house. Yeah. I don't know if we should really go much further, because I don't want to spoil too much of it, because this was the first time viewing for me. Mm, okay. And I feel like people who have seen this movie, who have not seen this movie, I'm sorry, would benefit from watching it unspoiled because there's some great stuff happening here. Yeah. I mean, Lee, even though he's just a guest star, quote unquote, <laughs> does appear in the film again. The things that Cushing is trying to not do, pretty terrifying. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's a man who's struggling not just with the possession per se. I mean, obviously, that would scare me too if I was possessed and and all that that would freak me out but now Cushing is forced to be face to face with something supernatural something that at least been implied he's never really believed in right so now his world is just wide open with this supernatural possibility that's not really got his interests in mind and I mean it's mind blowing I love the film me too. It's 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 really good. I mean, it's a fun amicus film. It's atmospheric. It's got a great cast. I would put it in my my favorite Cushing 
film list. Wow. Man, it's so hard for me to think about Cushing without thinking about Hammer, but... Huh. I guess he did some great work. I mean, because he did Tales from the Crypt as well, and that's... That's fantastic. Yeah, I mean, he did a lot of great stuff for Amicus, and I I think this is right up there with any of his other great performances. You know, he did Doctor Who for for Amicus. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, he was a a regular player for Amicus. Which are the only Doctor Who things that I've ever seen. What? Doctor Who. I know. I, I, you know, I've tried to get into Doctor Who, and I just feel overwhelmed. And I sit down to do it. I'm like, I, I don't even know where to begin. But back in the day, I've watched both of the Doctor Who films on VHS. Funny. And uh, I, I, the big joke is now with all my Doctor Who friends at work or whatever is that as soon as Doctor Who acknowledges the Peter Cushing films as part of the canon, then I'm on board. Okay. I, so, so, so if somebody makes that happen. I'll, I'll get into Doctor Who. But I've got those two Doctor Who's on Blu-ray now. Nice. They release on Blu-ray over in the UK. They're Region B releases, so they won't work unless you've got a multi-region player. But they look pretty cool. I've got the soundtrack to at least the first one of those. I think they're fun. I think they're kind of goofy and kind of the lighting's very retro 60s, Star Trekian kind of. But it's they're pretty cool. I dig them. And I like yeah. Peter Cushing as a kind of baffled kind of doctor. It's a nice... Uh, contrast to his dr frankenstein role sure so I, I do like those but yeah cushing did a lot of amicus we talked about dr terror another one of my very favorite cushing roles uh, th- and that's that's a, a character piece you know where he's in heavy makeup and and doing the german accent and everything but it's cool so i've got that and i've got a few other the amicus films i think i'm gonna have to add some more amicus to my collection <laughs> and you've hosted a couple right i mean they're not public well, domain so no i got to host uh the house that drip blood and that's with Ingrid Pitt, right? Yeah. yeah. She, is she a vampire in that? I can't remember. She is. Yeah. yeah. That's, a, that's a great movie. Yeah. That's a really, another one of the anthology films. Really good. Solid film. Now, Amicus was around through the 80s, at least, through the Monster Club. They're not around anymore, are they? Actually, I've read that, they, that they're back. If you look on IMDb, it says that they've had a hand in producing some, some films lately. But I don't know how active they really are. You know, I'm looking at the listing for our Amicus uh, on an online resource. It seems like the skull came along pretty early in their history. Skull is 65. So they were around uh, 62, 72, I think was asylum and tales from the crypt tales from the crypt. Yeah. They did some earlier stuff. I think that was not horror. Yeah. I'm seeing some titles here that I don't recognize as being scary at all. Just for fun. Doesn't sound very scary. (laughs) Uh, but Dr. Terror came around in 64. So Dr. Terror was before the skull. Mm-hmm. It's interesting to me that I'm seeing these different titles here. You know, the skull, the Dr. Who films, they were not portmanteau or anthology films. Even no. though when you think Amicus, that's what you think are these. Really these... the start of Amicus was horror hotel. The movie that's known as horror hotel, the two guys that started Amicus, which was Sabotsky and uh, what was it? Max Rosenberg were co-producers for horror hotel. Christopher Lee piece, which is an amazing movie. And based off that is where that's when they started. Amicus was shortly after that. Mm-hmm. You know, before we were recording, you were mentioning a movie called the terror knots. Can you tell me about that a little bit? I don't know much about it. I have a copy. I haven't watched <laughs> it. Um, I just know it's an amazing name. <laughs> it sounds awesome. Yeah. I got to get my hands on that and watch that. That looks awesome. Science fiction. Yeah. Uh, by Amicus. I mean, I'm thinking again of the Doctor Who's by Amicus, and it's got to be at least fun to look at. 
Oh, you know it will be. Yeah, yeah. So as far as Amicus goes, I mean, I think the skull probably needs to be at the top of your must-watch list. Uh, I don't have as much experience with Amicus as you do, but I would put this up there with, like, Dr. Terror. I think all of the, the anthology films, that's my favorite genre yeah. of movies, really. And all of them from Dr. Terror's House of Horrors and Tales of Witness Madness and I'll just, it goes on and on. There's probably, I don't know, eight of them or something. Uh, six or eight, House of Drip Blood, Asylum, and Dead of Night. I don't know if that was Amicus or not. Though. I don't think that one was, but that's a very early British um, portmanteau film. I mean, Tales from the Crypt the one is, with I think. Burgess Meredith in it. Torture Garden, that's another one. But yeah, they're all good. The Tales from the Crypt adaptation that they did, it had connections to the comic, didn't it? Was it an adaptation of the comic? Yeah, yeah all the stories were from comic book, from the comics. And that's got Joan Collins in it, doesn't it? Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I'm really fond of that movie. Yeah, well, it's a good one. Mm-hmm. I mean, Cushing's fantastic in that. I mean, he gets zombified in that, doesn't he? Yeah, that, that's he plays Grimstike in that, and he's the one that they all make fun of. Oh, oh, of course, he's the yeah. old man in that one. Yeah. yeah, oh yeah, his role is fantastic in that movie. He's uh, the makeup is great. Yes, he he. <laughs> oh man, that's my fate. That short in particular is so good in that movie. I mean, as if you needed makeup to make his cheekbones even more prominent. <laughs> when he comes back as as a undead, he's just fantastic. He looks awesome. As Spoiler. out black eyes. Oh, man. Apparently, crazy. that was his idea, from what I've read, that he was the one that said, hey, let's put some gauze over it where you can't see my eyes. Oh, really? I don't know if it's true or not, but. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> he's got those hollowed out cheekbones anyway. What a great zombie. I mean, oh, man, he looks awesome. Yeah. Yeah, and then and and now the screaming starts is another one that I have seen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's good. So, well, we'll of have to have Monster you. Club. Can't forget Monster Club. <laughs> that was pretty silly. Come on now. <laughs> it is totally silly. That's but it's it's great. I mean, you got Vincent Price and John Carradine together, <laughs> you know, sitting at a table talking about all these monsters. You know, I've got the soundtrack to that, and it is so eighties. <laughs> it is yeah. so eighties, so ridiculously eighties. Reggae theme song. I know. Reggae. Welcome to the Monster Club song. Yeah. Like, where did that come from? That's just bizarre. Horrible masks that the monsters are wearing <laughs> in the club. You got this group of monsters that are all jamming out to this reggae yes. music. It's yeah. just these rubber masks. They didn't even bother with makeup. Yep. <laughs> One amicus film that I do have fond memories of when I first saw it on VHS, I was blown away. Their werewolf film, The Beast Must Die. Yeah. That's yeah. the one that stops at the end. And who do you think is a werewolf, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah. Which I had never, I mean, this was before I knew who William Castle was. So I didn't know what a gimmick was in a movie like that. I had no idea that was happening. And it just, like, really? This this happened? Yeah. This got playing? It, it, wow. I had no idea. Werewolf break. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought that was pretty cool. Well, we will have to have you come back on to talk about Amicus films. Maybe uh, I'll watch a few more of these and we can do like a, a top three or something. Uh, Amicus film. Yeah, sounds good. Maybe the top three of the of the anthology films. Oh, that'd be fun. Yeah, we definitely need to have you back, man. It's been too long since we've had you on the show anyway. Well, thanks for having me. It's been it's been fun. Enjoyed chatting about the skull. If anybody's not seen it, definitely look for the, the Blu ray release. It's not very expensive, I don't think. You can pick no. it up anywhere, you know, Amazon, whatever. Pretty cheap. Pretty pretty inexpensive for a hammer film that at some point I'll cover on nineteen fifty one downplays with Casey and Scott. So Definitely got to have it in your collection. What's going on for Dr. Gang Green in 2014? I don't think we're going to be doing any new episodes, but I am collecting some of my old ones on the DVD, so I'll be putting those out for the first time. Um, just kind of 
cranking up that. I'm be doing a lot of writing personally uh, outside of Dr. Gang Green. And um, I don't know. Besides that, not really sure. That's my main projects right at the moment. Where can people find out about the DVD releases when that happens? DrGangGreen.com. And I don't know if we have you in the permanent link section of our website over at monsterkidradio.net, but when we're done recording here, I'll make sure that you are so people can find you online through our website if they don't want to just go straight to you. Sounds good. By the way, I have to to tell you, I've had a couple of people that have um, emailed me directly, said they heard me on Monster Kid Radio and really enjoyed the show. Oh, that's uh, great. Yeah. Got some some feedback, positive feedback from it. Well, thanks, man. That's that's awesome. Well, it's always fun being on the show, and I enjoy chatting with you, so... Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks, man. Anytime. Again, I know, the pops and the clicks, and I'm so sorry. I don't know what happened. Still working on figuring out a way to get rid of those pops and clicks, man. I I know they're just, I I don't like them. Larry deserves better. Monster Kid Radio listeners deserve better. So I'm going to work on getting that corrected. You know, we didn't really talk too much about it when we had him on the show, but in addition to his horror hosting background, Larry is also a writer. You can find out more about what he's writing over at LarryWUnderwood.blogspot.com. Now, his bibliography as of late has been a lot of short stories that you can pick up for your Amazon Kindle or Kindle app on the cheap. He's got an Amazon page. Just go look him up. It's like 99 cents for a short story. He's got some of his nonfiction on there for $1.50. So if you're looking to get some Larry Underwood, some Dr. Gang Green literary style all up in your business, all up in your business, really? Either way, put it on your Kindle or your Kindle app. And again, let them know Monster Kid Radio sent you. Next week on Monster Kid Radio, as of right now, we are planning to have Joe Stuber back on the show. Joe was the very first person that I recorded anything for Monster Kid Radio with. He wasn't the first episode of the show. Uh, I kind of did that out of order. But Joe was the very first guy that I recorded anything with. And what we recorded about was an Abbott and Costello movie, Abbott and Costello Meet Frankenstein. Well, Joe and I have been talking, and we're going to go ahead and go through the rest of the Abbott and Costello Meet films as well, which means we're going to talk about Abbott and Costello Meet the killer Boris Karloff. I've never seen this one, so I'm excited to get into it, and I'm excited to have Joe on the show next week to talk about that. You can hear Joe on his podcasts, Comic Book Central, or the Further Adventures of Indiana Jones segment over on the IndieCast. I want to thank everybody for listening to Monster Kid Radio. Monster Kid Radio is a registered service mark of Monster Kid Radio, LLC. All original content of Monster Kid Radio by Monster Kid Radio, LLC is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution, a non-commercial, no derivatives, 3.0 unported license. Of course, that does not apply to the song With a Silver Bullet. That song belongs to the Alder Kings. It appears on their album, Mr. Creeper, and it appears on this episode of Monster Kid Radio with their permission. Talk to everybody next week. My catalytic agent has brought about a complete transition from man to wolf. Your crazy experiments are a disgrace to science.